Hi there, thanks for coming back for episode lucky seven of the Gravity Digital Agency Power Up podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by small digital agency owners and solo practitioners just like you. I really enjoyed recording this week's episode. My guest is Philip Van Dusen from Verha Brand Design just outside New York. Philip's story is a really inspiring one and a case study on what you can do when you step outside your comfort zone and take your shots. So welcome to episode seven and let's meet Philip. Philip Van Dusen, welcome to the podcast. Your business is called Verhal Design. Do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Like you said, I have an agency called Verhal Brand Design, and I do strategic uh, branding and marketing and design for small to medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, I've been on my own with my own agency for about three years now. Prior to that, I had a quite a long career in on both the global branding agency side, as well as uh, with global corporations and in a creative capacity. So I've acted as an executive creative director, vice president of design um, at a number of agencies and a number of corporations. That's kind of where I came from. Prior to that, I was actually trained as a fine artist. I have my master's in painting <laughs> and I used to uh, teach college painting and drawing for a period of time until the computer made its way onto the scene and I and I moved my way into um, graphic design. Right. And as they say in your country, you ain't from around here. Most of my guests are from the UK. So where are you based? <laughs> I'm based just outside of New York City in Maplewood, New Jersey, just over the Hudson from the city. I used to live in uh, Brooklyn for about 15 years and uh, then San Francisco made my way back east and uh, moved to the suburbs where I can have trees and a yard and sidewalks. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I actually knew that, but my listener probably didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I met you at the Upreneur Summit and quite a lot of my guests, to be fair, I met through Upreneur in one way or another. But I don't really highlight that. But I think in your case, I really want to, because mm. uh, for those people who aren't list or who aren't um, familiar with Upreneur, uh, Upreneur is an organization uh, founded by Chris Ducker, and a Upreneur uh, is a term he coined, a really a, a personal brand entrepreneur, somebody who's built a business around their own personal brand. And you were the recipient of the Upreneur of the Year Award, which is something that I should probably acknowledge. Um, and some of the reasons behind that are the reason you're on my podcast because you're a traditional graphic designer in many respects. And my audience is really a digital marketing uh, related audience. Mm -hmm. um, do you maybe want to sort of dig into why? Because you probably know why you won that. <laughs> I, I do. I do know why I won it. Um, yeah. And as I said, I, I've worked in um, most of my career in large global branding agencies and corporations. So uh, consumer packaged goods companies and uh, the fashion industry and working at a very senior level as a creative leader with large teams and, uh, you know, either doing branding or product development um, for retail. And after I had done that for a number of years, uh, just a few years ago, I decided to kind of strike off on my own and start my own agency. 
And when I did that, I realized that I had spent 25 years branding other people and other things, and I had spent zero time branding myself. And I was also working at um, on brands that were so large uh, that I wasn't really working in the digital space so much. And I realized that I knew, to tell you the truth, very little about it. And I definitely had not applied any of that um, uh, you know, digital marketing to my own brand. And so I had to go about building the Philip Van Dusen and Fairhall brand design brand uh, from scratch about th- three or four years ago. And in doing that, I realized very quickly that I was uh, woefully behind on a lot of things in terms of understanding email marketing and list building and lead magnets and, uh, you know, business development um, in terms of, you know, on my own, I'd done tremendous amounts of business development with fortune 100 companies, um, but not kind of under my own roof. And in, when I was working on that, I realized there was so much I didn't know. And I just happened to run across Chris Ducker's um, Chris Ducker on Pat Flynn's podcast, smart passive income. And, uh, I kind of, I was taken by him and, um, started listening to his podcast and he was just launching this new entrepreneurial community called Upreneur back then. And his message was, you know, Upreneur, the, the entrepreneurial life is a lonely life. And, um, you know, if you join Upreneur, you'll have this instant large community of people, uh, who you can grow with, learn from, network with, et cetera. And that was just, uh, it really hit home with me because I was, you know, I'd spent so much of my career in large corporate and agency environments with large teams. And suddenly I was in my home office all day long by myself. It was a shock to tell you the truth. And uh, so I joined, joined Newpreneur and immediately got very deeply involved in it. And uh, I started to interact on the forums by offering up my services and giving feedback on branding and strategy and design to other Upreneur members. And that served me really well because I, you know, I was able to uh, share some real value with other people in the community. They were able to benefit from it. But then I was also able to make some, you know, very quick, very deep lasting relationships um, by offering that up for free. And so, you know, just to bring you out to basically your question, which was, you know, how did I win the award? Um, one of the things that uh, I started to do when I joined Upreneur was I started to market myself. So the first thing I did was to start a, a newsletter. It's called Brand Muse. It comes out every uh, two weeks. And if anyone wants to subscribe, they can go to my website, philipvandusen.com and, and uh, sign up for it there. And I started building an email list. About six months after that, Chris uh, asked me to do a video for the Upreneur website on brand design. I had never done video before. And so I created this half hour video, um, a tutorial essentially on what is brand design and what are the, what are the pieces and components of it uh, that, are, that an entrepreneur needs to know. So I did this video and it was very successful. Chris loved it. The people in the community loved it. And Chris said, you know, you should really start a YouTube channel. 
so I gave it some thought. I weighed whether a podcast or, or video would be better. I decided to go for myself with video because design is a visual medium and it makes sense to uh, do video. And so I started a YouTube channel. And over about the first year, I think I built it, you know, from a, you know, 50 subscribers up to about uh, 10 or 12,000 and produced a video every week on branding and design and creative professional careers. And then uh, I went to the Youpreneur Summit in London last year, uh, not the most recent one, but in 2000. Um, Six, 16, end of 2016, no, two, end of 2017, sorry. And it's Chris, for some reason, brought me up on stage to have me talk about my YouTube channel. And I did that. And he challenged me without my knowing it on stage in front of 400 <laughs> people. He said, you know, what's your goal for next year? What do you, what do you, what's your goal for your YouTube channel? And I said, you know, I'm at, I'm at, I think 15,000 subscribers right now. Um, I'm going to 2X that. I'm going to have 30,000 subscribers. And immediately upon saying that, I was committing in front of 400 people that I was going to do this. And I just, you know, I started to break out in a cold sweat <laughs> um, because it had taken me, you know, a year and a half of very hard work to get up to that level. And uh, so I, you know, I went back. I kept putting out my videos and, uh, I happened to do a video on uh, 15 trends, a uh, graphic design trends for 2018. And it, that video got picked up by a major design website and essentially went viral um, over the period of nine months. I've gotten over 1.2 million views wow. um, on it. And my subscribership just exploded because it got me so much recognition. And then a number of my other videos uh, that I produced subsequent to that and just before that uh, started to get a tremendous amount of views as well because people suddenly knew about me. They had subscribed and they started looking around my catalog and watching more of my videos. And so my, you know, when I went back to the Youpreneur uh, Summit this year, Chris knew that I had seen some success on my YouTube channel. And so he said, he had said to me, oh, you know, Phil, I think at some point over the next three days, I'm going to call you up to the stage and just have you talk about the success of your channel. And I said, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and, and then, you know, the three days went by and he never called me up and I thought, oh, you know, he ran out of time. He's not going to be able to do it. And we got to the very end of the last day and he was just about to call up Jay Bear as the closing keynote speaker. And then up on the screen flashed the slide Youpreneur of the Year. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think, I think it's me. And he called out my name and he brought me up to the stage. And I was able to announce that, you know, um, I now, you know, I had been there last year with 15,000 subscribers. And he asked me how many I had now. And I said, 140,000. You know, I had essentially 10 X my subscribership on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was very fulfilling. It felt great. You know, I felt validated for, you know, I have put in a tremendous amount of very hard work building up a catalog of, you know, over at this point, 130 videos. Um, and, uh, and it's been really great for me. It's been, it's been a, a great experience. I've been able to catalog a lot of my knowledge and share a lot of my knowledge with people. Um, and also, 
it's turned into an incredible, um, you know, uh, inbound marketing um, uh, kind of platform for me and for my agency. Yeah, this is kind of where I wanted to lead because when I met you, you, you strike me as a very intelligent, diligent person. Um, and you're not going to go. I'll in. try to dispel that on the <laughs> podcast. You're going to. I got. I took the impression that when you decide to do something, you're going to do it. And that's a, a YouTube channel is a big commitment because one video a week. And I, I look back. This is two years now. You've been doing that. That's a lot of work. Um, it is a lot of work. Yeah. So that really leads me on to a question about time management. How? Do, because mm-hmm. I think in digital marketing agency owners doesn't matter whether you're your traditional graphic design agency or um sort of bleeding edge digital stuff time is time and promoting yourself is time taken away from things that could be uh earning revenue so i mean it's obviously working for you now it's driving business mm-hmm. now but that won't have been the case for a long time so how did you manage the time element of that well when my agency was starting up you know, when any agency starts up, you know, it starts up fairly slowly. You're building a client roster over time. And so doing the newsletter, doing the videos was a lot easier when, you know, the client work was a little thinner. Mm. Um, and then as I built up a catalog and my videos started to work very hard and very successfully for me in terms of driving new business to my agency, it got increasingly um, uh, difficult to continue to you know do that i have um continued to do it but i'm not going to say that it's not a struggle Mm. um one of the things i did was at you know for the first half a year i was record writing recording editing posting you know doing thumbnails description all that sort of stuff for a video every week i was going through that process every week and i decided very quickly i got a batch record these things so now i i do four at a time um it takes me from writing to recording, editing, the whole spiel of getting them up, doing slides, because a lot of my videos have slides in them. Uh, takes about, you know, to do four videos, it takes about two full days, two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's a grind, you know, it's hard. But then I schedule them to go out over, every Monday over the next month, and I can kind of take a breather. Um and, you know, get back to my other work. So I've, I've figured out a way to compartmentalize it and to uh, really try to streamline that. Um, it's not like I close the door on it, you know, except for those three days a month, because I have to come up with the content ideas, obviously. So I, you know, when I start writing the, my scripts, um, I'm constantly looking for you know, information and topics and things that are trending and, um, hot, you know, hot buttons that I think my audience wants to hear about and learn about. So it's a, you know, I'm always constantly on the hunt and gathering, um, fodder for my, for my scripts, but, um, it is, it has, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's it was challenging to begin with and it still is, but I look at it as, as my, it is my most successful marketing vehicle. So at this point, uh, probably 60% of my new business comes directly through my YouTube channel. You just took my next Um, question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll take even your next question, (laughs) which is what's, what's the value of that. And I mean, the one thing I'd love to explain to your um, listeners is that one of the things about doing video, and I'm sure 
podcasting as well. Um, when you do that as, as inbound marketing or content marketing is that when people come across you, they get to experience you, uh, learn how you think, learn how you talk, learn about your thought processes, you know, learn your history, where you've been, what you've done, hear you interact with other people. Um, and in my case, they can see me in my office and, uh, you know, hear how I think they can look through as many or as few videos of mine as they want. And when they decide that they want to, then they'll go to my website. They'll look at my portfolio, look at my bona fides and my portfolio and say, um, I want to work with this guy and they'll call me up. And the amazing thing is they feel like they already know me. Yeah. So that initial, you know, 45 minute conversation that you have to have with a new client where you're outlining your whole history and you're talking about the clients you've worked with before and, um, and the whole get to know you and, you know, prove to them you're smart conversation is done. Yeah. And many times they've already decided that they want to work with you. And it's really just a question of like diving into how you can help them solve whatever problem is that they're having that they've come to you for. So that to me has been also just a huge, huge benefit um, is that there's a level of credibility and trust that my new business leads are coming to me with. And to be honest with you, I have done Apart from content marketing, I have done no direct outreach yeah. to clients. It's all been inbound. One of the questions I always ask business owners in the podcast or out the podcast is, what does your sales process look like? How do you network? How does the how do the opportunities mm -hmm. come to you? And I would say 80% of businesses, even digital marketing businesses, the answer is networking. It's word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I could really count on one hand the number of people that tell me my work is inbound. It's really rare. So it's really nice to hear that actually it works like this for you, that the fruits are there when you put in the commitment. They definitely are. And I am, I like to call myself the poster boy for the success of content marketing. And I proselytize it in all the entrepreneurs and creative professionals that I, that I work with and that I know. And I completely agree with you. I think that, um, one thing about my agency is that I am an individual consultant, but I have essentially a virtual agency. I have a number of partners, probably 15 or 20 very strong senior partners I've worked with throughout my career, who I will bring in, depending on the size of the project I have, to work that project with me. So essentially, it's a virtual agency. Yeah. And the, the advantage for my clients is they get very, very senior level people working on their stuff, but they're not paying for brick and mortar. They are not paying for, you know, a maintaining of headcount that may not be active on their account at that time. Um, and so I can be very flexible, very cost efficient um, and give them a higher quality of work than they normally would get for probably the, that the money that they have to spend. And that is also following a huge landscape shift in the agency client you know, kind of paradigm that's been an operation for decades that when I left my last large corporate position, I was seeing that landscape changing dramatically and realized that um, the big global agencies were taking real hits from individual consultants, virtual agencies, smaller flexible agencies, and in many cases losing, you know, they were, these smaller agencies and consultancies were getting big, meaty you know, uh, projects that would have been going to 
you know, the large holding company, global agencies in the past. And so I decided to be on the right side of history and, and move to that more kind of uh, flexible consultancy, virtual agency model. And, uh, and I talk about that a lot on my YouTube channel as well, because I really see that agency world changing dramatically. Um, and a lot of people are not prepared for it. Yeah. And, um, that's one of those, you know, as I said at the earlier part of the podcast, that's one of those huge realizations that I came across, came to when I left the corporate world was that I had to completely change the way I was thinking, how I was presenting myself, how I was running my business. Um, networking became much more important in terms of building relationships. Um, oh, and, you know, just to circle back to what you said about you know, networking be being important to, to building new business. I mean, the partnerships that I have with other people that I bring into work projects with me, I white label my services under their banners too. Right. And so many times if I don't have projects coming in, one of my partners does and they'll bring me into their agency. So by working that kind of model, I have 20 X my, um, my feelers out into the world in terms of sniffing out new business um, because I've built and maintained these very tight, close relationships with a broad range of people who are in a broader, broader, also a broader range of skill sets than my own. Um, and we, you know, feed each other like an organism to an extent. Yeah. I want, I want to come back to the, the inbound opportunity that comes to you sure. because one thing I'm curious about is in a traditional agency environment, the work that comes, comes, and it's it, often you're tendering uh, or, or you're quoting or you're pitching. You're one of many businesses that are going for the same work. I'm guessing that's not really the case when the work's coming into you. But what I'm really interested to know is of the opportunities that come into you, how often are they good fit? And I'm guessing the answer is most of the time. Yeah, they are. I mean, and I would say, I would say the... In some cases, the the toughest thing for me is that I've really focused, I, I've focused my uh, offering and the value I bring around the idea that I have, you know, global corporation level thinking and methodology and capabilities that I have been able to scale down and make usable for small to medium sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Mm. Now, entrepreneurs, many of whom who are just starting up, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not charging global agency rates, but I'm also not charging Fiverr rates. Um, and I have a lot of experience that I'm bringing to the table. So my prices aren't dirt cheap. And there are entrepreneurs who, you know, see me on YouTube or come to me or hear about me or find my website and want to work with me, but who, you know, who frankly can't afford me. And that's one of the challenges that sometimes is, is the toughest because I want to help everybody and I have, you know, skills that I can put to anybody's case. Um, but there are realities of running a business and, uh, and that's the toughest thing. Usually there is a fit in terms of need, but sometimes there's not a fit in terms of budget. Yeah. So I guess looking at the money then you have, and again, I think this is relevant because I think most digital marketing agencies, pretty much any business really in the creative sector, uh, traditionally, you're trading time for money, but you've done some pretty mm -hmm. neat things with your revenue streams by diversifying a little bit um, into the coaching space. So mm -hmm. I'd be quite 
keen to hear a little bit about that because when I met you, you told me a little bit about it and I've done some homework since. Um, but I'm really interested to hear how that works out in the wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I, and I'm constantly and still working on diversifying my, my revenue streams. One of the things that one of the goals I have is to develop, um, some training, some webinars, paid training, um, also in the process of, of conceptualizing and writing a book. So, um, I'm all about evergreen content, you know, um, where you can make money and sell courses and sell books and get revenue coming in while you're sleeping. Um, my YouTube channel is a little bit of that because I make some decent revenue from advertising from my YouTube channel. Um, so that is making me money while I sleep. Um, but you're right in terms of trading time for money. And uh, in the virtual agency model, there are projects I will take on that I won't, that I'm managing more like an account manager and overseeing creatively and strategically, but I'm not doing most of the work. Yeah. And so I may, you know, find my client, the best people, bring them under my banner and work the project, but I'm not trading my time for money. I'm, I'm, I'm managing kind of a larger project for them. Um, that's one way that I kind of have moved away from the time for money thing. Um, there are projects that it, I'm the one man show and I'm doing strategy and, you know, design if it's appropriate. And I am to a certain extent trading time for money coaching. Um, I have moved into as well. I do some professional, uh, creative professional coaching. I also coach entrepreneurs and have increasingly been working with startup entrepreneurs who are either personally well-funded or have some backing to strategize and develop business launches. So doing initial, um, brand strategy, brand positioning, um, naming, um, brand identity work. So the real, you know, doing business model canvas and, um, and, uh, business planning, mm -hmm. um, which I really, really enjoy. I love being on at the birth of a brand, um, cause it's the most exciting part, both for me and for my clients who are, who are, who are, you know, kind of launching the brand. And, uh, so there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of the coaching aspect in that as well, because it's not really delivering a, a graphic design deliverable. It's, it's more kind of a intellectual property. Um, but in coach, coaching is trading time for money. And I do a little bit of that, but that is, um, I just do it kind of to create variety in my, in my work stream. Right. Um, would you consider yourself an introvert? Uh, yes, I, absolutely. I thought you were going to say that. And I'd be really interested to understand because I, th I think there's a difference between an American introvert and a British introvert, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> but doing things like video uh, and podcast, how, how did you initially feel about that? It's very exposing um, doing video. Uh, you know, I'm not a spring chicken, so I... Uh, you know, you're, you're facing a video camera at yourself from four feet away. And when you look back at your video, you're seeing the wrinkles <laughs> and the age spots and the, you know, and, uh, you have to get comfortable with yourself. You have to kind of face some realities about what you look like, what you sound like, um, how you come off, how you come across, you know, do you have energy? Are you a dud? You know, <laughs> and you have to, you know, you have to look at those things and either accept or improve on them 
depending on, you know, what it is that you're looking at. Um, but there is, there is definitely a level of self-acceptance that you have to go through when you expose yourself in that way. Yeah. Um, video more so because people can see you and, you know, you get your snarky, you know, teenagers who are commenting on your appearance or what you have on, or, you know, in my case, I have a handlebar mustache and a Van Dyke and I, you know, get all sorts of like Colonel Sanders comments <laughs> or, you know, I have, I have round glasses. So I've gotten literally probably about 10,000. You look like Steve Jobs comments. Um, and uh, you just got to get over that, you know, but I, and, and there are some people who also just want to be jerks. You know, they seem to have nothing else to do, but just to kind of say something crappy about what you put out in the world for free. And, you know, I have a, you know, I'm a creative, I have a thin skin, you know, a lot of us do. Yeah. And so there's a real exercise also in just letting things roll off your back. And, and for me, I, I take pride in always taking the high road. There's no winning a flame war and there's no reason to get involved in it or create some argument in social media. Um, if someone wants to be that way, I just say, thanks a lot for sharing, you know, and have a great day and, uh, and move to the person who's really appreciating what you're doing. Yeah. I think somebody said, and I, I can't remember who it was that when asked, what's the future of digital marketing? The answer was courage. Uh, and mm. really, I love that. that. I love that for that. me. It's not technology. It's not tactics. So true. It really is yeah. just having, taking the initiative and actually putting yourself out there. And I think for for introverted people, it's particularly difficult, but I certainly I found very, very quickly because I am painfully introverted that actually it's mm -hmm. okay. It really is a threshold that you need to cross, but once you've crossed it, nobody dies. Uh, and it just, that's exactly it, Bob, that is exactly it. And I have a mantra that I say all the time, which is just start. So many people want and talk about starting to do something like this. And they're stopped by something. Either they don't think they're smart enough or they don't have the time or they won't be able to build up the content or they don't like their hair or, you know, I don't have the right equipment. And everybody, I have another maxim that says dare to suck, which <laughs> is you have to get it. Everybody sucks at first. You have to get out there and you have to just start because you can't improve until you start. There's this, there's this kind of, an analogy story I like to tell where if you want to learn to play tennis, you can read a bunch of books on tennis. You can watch a whole bunch of videos on tennis. You can talk to a bunch of tennis players. You can go and buy the best tennis racket. But until you stand out there on the court and start hitting some balls into the net or over the backstop, you are not going to learn how to play tennis and you're not going to be able to improve. And it's exactly the same thing with any kind of content development from video to podcasting to writing until you start doing it. And still until you start doing like eight or 10 or 20 of them, you will not get better. But I guarantee you that once you do, you will. I guess looking at your business a bit, what does an ideal client look like for you? The, the business that you really, really want to work with? Mm -hmm. I just, you know, one of the things I love about agency work is that is the variety of clients that I get to work with. And I, you know, there are, there are any number of dream projects <laughs> that I get to work on. Um, you know, I'm working with an entrepreneur right now who's a very successful venture capitalist who's well-funded and uh, 
she's, you know, starting a lifestyle brand. Um, and I'm in on the ground floor with her strategizing, doing the business plan, um, naming it, doing brand identity, you know, at that germination stage mm -hmm. that I talked about earlier. That's to me a fantastic project. Um, I'm working with a healthcare client right now where I am essentially, they have no internal marketing team and I'm essentially acting as a stand-in CMO as they work with a larger agency on a major um, brand positioning project. So I'm essentially acting as a CMO for them in their interaction with their agency. Um, that's incredibly fun as well because I'm able to bring all of my agency acumen to help my client the healthcare company. Um, but I'm working with, because I understand the client side and I understand the agency side, I'm the perfect person for that kind of, um, you know, interaction. That's a fantastic client. Um, there's just so many different kinds. I mean, in my career, I've worked, as I said, in fashion retail and CPG with big soft drink companies. I've worked with GE. I've done jet engines. I've done pet food, you know, <laughs> every single, uh, every single project that I go to is different. And every single project that you go into, you have to learn a tremendous amount about that new category. And I love learning always have. And, uh, that's one of the things I love about any project is that, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to have to deeply, uh, immerse yourself in that client's business, their challenges, their competitive set and understand it. And that's the kind of project that I just love, you know, getting to work on some fun category that I've never worked on before. Yeah. And I guess because all your work's inbound, do, is there any kind of geographic commonalities? Do they tend to, I mean, I'm assuming they come from all over, but what, 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 what do, do you find? I mean, I think the, basically the only commonality is their English speaking countries. Right. Um, I've, you know, I've had some, professional coaching people who are in, you know, Dubai, um, but generally they're uh, English speaking folks. Um, there's no kind of geographic boundaries. I have clients in, you know, Australia to Canada to Ireland. Um, and uh, I love that because, uh, you know, t with today's technology, you know, as long as you can find a, a time on the global calendar that works for you both, you know, you get, you hop on Zoom or Skype, and it's just like being there, you know, so there are no boundaries anymore. And I think that that's, that's one of the funnest things about, you know, today's world is that, you know, I can have my office in, in Maplewood, New Jersey, outside of New York city, but I can work with a, you know, a company in Dublin, or I can work with a company in Sydney. If you knew then what you know now, what would you do different in terms of the way that you built your personal brand, built your platform and built the visibility? I think that, and I, and I make this recommendation on my YouTube channel a lot to people who are either working in-house at an agency or corporation right now and um, in either marketing or even having their own business is that they don't ignore uh, their own personal brand and give all of their time, energy, um, and creative thinking to the company they work for. And I think that that's what I did for the majority of my career. I worked very hard and very seriously for the companies and agencies I worked for. And when I decided to walk away from that, I realized very a, a very hard lesson, which is that I had spent no time 
building my own. And I had a portfolio website. I had basically a resume website and that was it. I had developed no content. Um, I had, you know, no mailing list. I had, you know, my network was pretty much within the agencies and companies I'd worked for. I had not applied myself in establishing an independent entity for myself mm. outside of the the structure of where I was working. And if I could give one, you know, recommendation to myself 10 years ago, it would be focus on yourself and start building the brand of you outside of where it is that you're spending eight hours of your day. And that I think is very important. And for small digital marketing agencies, I think it's very easy in the agency world to get really sucked into just working your client work and not working your own brand. And the brands that I see that are on the cutting edge and becoming the most successful are the ones who are marketing themselves as they are recommending the clients market themselves. And, you know, it's just like the cobbler's children have no shoes. I mean, when you look at agencies' websites, a lot of times they really stink, you know, they're not developing. I, I, I'm blown away by the number of agencies that are producing no content whatsoever, no videos, no writing, no articles, no thought pieces. They're not speaking at conferences. They're not becoming vis visible brand entities out in the world. Yeah. And they, and I think that that is a huge mistake. Um, and it kind of blows my mind because for one thing, I've spent the last three years doing nothing but that is exposing myself and my thinking and, you know, my intellectual property to the world is that, you know, the content ecosystem, um, you have to be out there. Because I have this other saying that it's my new saying, which is if you're out of feed, you're out of mind. I mean, if you don't show up in someone's feed every day or two, you are out of mind. And if agencies are concerned about growing or staying relevant to their clients or also just really exemplifying the sort of behavior they're expecting their clients to, to exhibit, they better start doing it themselves because agencies are very quickly finding themselves to becoming irrelevant in today's marketplace yeah. because they're not practicing what they preach. And if anyone wants to know how to do this, just go and back engineer Philip's social media. It's really it's so well done. Oh, thank you, sir. So, That's very kind of so you. So what's next for Varhel brand design? Where do you want to go with it next? Because obviously you're, you're still very passionate about what you're doing. I imagine you still have a lot. I am. And, and as I said, I think that it, for me, it's always a constant, um, what can I, you know, how can I continue to build the revenue, the range of revenue streams? And um, the, the next big ones are to publish a book and also to start publishing some, some courses um, on branding, entrepreneurship for, you know, for my audience. So those are kind of the next things. And of course, I'm always, you know, looking for new clients and, uh, and love working the work. So it's always a balance kind of of those two things. So if people want to connect with you, um, how would you like them mm -hmm. to do that? Sure. The best way to do it is through my website, philipvandusen.com, um, where I, you know, I post videos, I post content. I have my brand news blog there. 
Um, and there are a number of pop-ups and places on that site to sign up for my brand Muse uh, newsletter. Like I said, comes out every two weeks. I don't spam people. You're not going to get three emails a day from me. Um, and I, I share some marketing insights, some great resources, one or two key articles, books, quotes on um, branding and art entrepreneurship that I'm sure people will find inspiring. And subscribe to your YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, do that too. <laughs> Philip, thanks so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you. If anybody's sort of not written it down, it's Verhal, Brand Design, Philip Van Dusen, go and check him out. Thank you, Bob. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, my me. pleasure. You can probably tell I had a lot of fun speaking to Philip. I hope you've taken away as much from his amazing story as I have. If you run a small or solo practice related to digital marketing, then I'd love you to get in touch. I'm really keen to interview listeners for the podcast, so no matter what stage your business is at, get in touch. Let's have a conversation. Before you go, take a second to subscribe to this podcast through your player or app and so you don't miss the next episode. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Philip for making the time and to you for listening, and see you next time.